It's Law Talk with BJ, the podcast where trial attorney and legal commentator BJ Bernstein and her guests discuss the latest issues from around the legal world. BJ is a frequent commentator on television and radio. She's unique in that she not only comments on legal issues, having been lead counsel on numerous high-profile cases of national interest, but her relatable personal style allows the viewer to understand the law behind the headlines and why it's important. Now, here's your host, B.J. Bernstein. Welcome to Law Talk with B.J. Took a little break over the summer and to recharge for back to school. We're going to do something a little different than we've done before, which is I have a number of guests today. And this is my college edition of Law Talk with BJ. And I have three college students ready to talk about justice and law and particularly criminal law issues and other legal issues that happen on campus. And joining me first is Christy, who is a senior at Georgia State University. Hi, Christy. Hi, how are you? Very good. Thanks for joining me. And Christy um, and I met because I spoke at her class and she was kind enough to come on in. And Chris, hello. hello. How you doing? Another Georgia State criminal justice senior. Yes, yes. With big goals ahead, which we'll talk about in a second. And Audrey, welcome. Audrey is a student at University of Virginia. Good to have you. Happy to be here. And uh, my personal connection is Audrey's mother and I were best friends in college at Emory University. So in our full circle roundtable, in talking to you, getting ready for the podcast, it turns out Obviously, I knew that Christy had interest in criminal law because of her coursework. And then um, I put out word on some campuses and, I, and and other folks. And I got two more folks who are actually looking at law school. So I want to, for perspective, have each person understand a little bit of who you are and your interests in criminal law. Um, and then we're going to talk about the things that folks are facing on campus. Chris, I'll start with you. Well, I believe that... Um Excuse me. I believe that law is uh, is one area of aspect that we could work towards uh, bettering as as a people together uh, together. And I think that the two aspects of law that I'm interested in getting into is uh, civil rights and business. Um, civil rights because there have been uh, various cases in history and that continue to, to transpire that I'm interested in representing people who have been done wrong uh, civilly. And I think that uh, their business side uh, aspect of law is great because everything that we do is centered around business, you know, in this capitalistic society that we live in. So I think that uh, knowing the laws in those various aspects or two aspects would be wonderful. And that's why uh, I have an interest in practicing those two laws. Audrey, what's your interest in law? I mean, you're t- I think you're studying leadership and public policy now at UVA. I, I am. That's the plan. Uh, but I think I want to do trial law. I'm not really sure in what aspect. Uh, I have a bit of background in the entertainment industry, so I was thinking maybe something in that direction. But I know I want to be speaking in front of people. So you need to listen to the podcast about entertainment law. I think I've had one on it. But, you know, as I was telling all of you, is, you know, when you go to law school, you're actually studying to become the lawyer, which means you're doing everything. And sometimes you discover things along the way that you would never expect that you have an interest in. But you also at the same time, 
I think, form a passion for something. And Christy, you have one, too. So share with us, your senior at Georgia State, what your passion is and interest in law. Yes. Well, I've always been interested in law. I remember um, my parents are from Nigeria, um, and we took a trip there when I was about to enter, like, the second grade. And I remember we went to a... um, someone that said that she was a psychic um, and she said that I would be a lawyer in the future. Um, but in the, It I, is preordained. <laughs> we heard it here first. This is good. It actually turned out she was a liar. Um, <laughs> but I still wanted to be a lawyer after that. So after that, I just always wanted to be a lawyer. And um, I've really been interested in wrongful convictions. Um, I think that's something that I've always wanted to work with. I think there's a lot of people in prison that um, are wrongly convicted of crimes, and I'm really interested in trying to get people out that, you know, deserve to be free. And, you know, I'm all for that as a criminal defense lawyer. And I think everybody is. I mean, you know, and let's go ahead and dive in there a little bit. It wasn't exactly. And this is a free flow for everybody listening about things that are of interest, particularly in an age group that may not be a lot of our listeners or the age, my age or parents, your parents age. And then other students about, you know, on campus already when you've been in school, you know, people are accused of a lot of things. Some of them not as serious as the things that like the Innocence Project takes over and people who've been incarcerated for a long time. But have any of you felt like when you're on campus or you have friends or anything where there have been accusations made that of a criminal nature, whether they were arrested or not, but something already um, popped up where there's an accusation? Um, there's a particular um, something that happened last year. There were three people that would go around campus acting like they were trying to find people for um, their church. Um, it turned out that they were trying to find people for human trafficking. Um, my sister actually got a picture of it and she sent it to me. She said, if you ever see these people on campus, you know, stay away from them because they're trying to sex traffic people. So I think that's the closest thing on campus that I've come to, you know, something of a criminal nature. And, and it's interesting because we're talking a college campus. I know there's a lot of discussion of, uh, of, of child trafficking. There are a lot of cases in the news. Um, I was the guardian in the, in the first federal tr- um, child trafficking case that was done um, in the federal courts actually came out of Atlanta many years ago. And I was a court appointed guardian for all the young women who were the victims. And there were a lot of issues that came up of keeping track of them. um, Because by the time we got to court, you know, court comes over a year later, and they had been on the streets. And then where were our witnesses and, and a lot of feelings. And we think of trafficking in that younger set. And I think you're bringing up an interesting issue for folks on campus and safety is that it can be young women who are 18, 19, 20, 21 um, and be approached and abducted and brainwashed and all different things to keep them um, and derail them from a college education, which is which is really a shocker. Yeah, I just think it's important that women and men, because men can also get sex trafficked, I think it's important that they, you know, have pepper spray. Um, I used to have pepper spray when I was a freshman, but I got it taken away when I went to um, some campus event. But I just think you need to, like, you know, look around you and pay attention to your surroundings when you're on campus, especially at night, because Georgia State is a very 
It's in the middle of downtown Atlanta. Right. It's an urban campus and, and it is a campus, but there th- are pockets of it where there's real world, you know, someone lives there or their businesses that have nothing to do with the school versus UVA. I think you're more isolated a little bit. We are. And probably the closest I've come to like a criminal situation is we get text alerts and emails whenever uh, university police are reporting on something that's happened. So we'll get notifications that um, an assault has happened on this part of grounds and to steer clear of that area. And I remember a couple weeks ago, we got an alert that there had been a kidnapping of someone in a certain part of the corner. And that really freaked me out. And it took about a week and then they reported that it wasn't true, that it was made up. So I thought that was very interesting. Yeah. And probably, you know, again, we go in our day to day lives thinking we read and hear about this and it happens to somebody else. And there is something that has been historically um, protected, it seems like, about a college campus. But we're realizing and it's really not true. And it's been for years. I mean, you think of Virginia Tech um, and I believe that was over 10 years ago, the shootings there. I mean, shootings on campus and major violent issues on campus has been a reality, and yet when you bebop in, Chris, when you were a young lad. (laughs) (laughs) A long time ago. Exactly, a long time ago. I mean, I'm assuming that that's not in your radar when you're getting to campus. Um, I've seen uh, different instances uh, recently uh, about instances or or situations happening, occurring at night. Um, And like you said, uh, there is... Uh, notifications that we receive as well about criminal proceedings or criminal instances that are going on, excuse me. But I think that the with the gun laws that uh, or America making it making guns more accessible to the public, it only enhances the problem of potential gun shootings, which you, you brought up a, a great topic there because we, we've seen uh, you've seen the killings in Texas and Dayton, Ohio as well recently. Um, and even though those weren't in school settings, we have to understand that we've had sh- school shootings in the past and that since these people are getting guns and since the, uh, the laws have changed, uh, we're going to see a lot more problems in the school system. So I think that the media... And within and the connection between the media and the police is very important. And I think that these notifications have to continue to be uh, placed out into the environment for individuals to know what, what's going to occur. Because, uh, uh, like Christy said, we are in a college setting, but our college setting and like of various other schools in the nation, they, they go to school within the city. And this city is a melting pot for different peoples of different walks of life. You have people who are corporate. Uh, working in the corporate world, students are trying to get the education. You have homeless uh, and people as well, which is a, a problem in our uh, in Atlanta right now. That the discussion, the homeless people that are on the street, and the, what they're trying to do to uh, eradicate that problem. So, the the city there needs to be a lot more done, I, I believe, as far as alerting the people and keeping that crime reduced. And and those things are going to start with the gun laws and being able to help these people that need to be helped and to uh, eliminate that melting pot or mixtures of different people. And so, yeah. So you all three have focused in on something that didn't exist, clearly, because I'm a million years old now compared to you. But that, you know, there, there's these text messages. There is constant there is a different level of vigilance on behalf of colleges and university of notifying students via text and information to get it out quickly where something's going wrong. Are you seeing on campus or are you seeing 
um, other areas that you wish you had more enhanced safety um, or enhanced um, information or understanding about what to do on campus? You know, for instance, if you look back to your freshman year, do you ever get prepared for this? Did they anybody say, you know, these are the things that may end up happening and we want to give you instruction? You know, if you're saying to an incoming freshman what kind of things living on campus in this day and age that you think they need to know. And right now we're going to cover safety. Like what what would that be? Well, I know UVA has many different systems in place that are supposed to help students, but I don't think that the majority of them are effective. I definitely think it's a, a difficult problem to tackle. Example, what, I can Yeah, go ahead. Give of, me an example. That will help. Um, we have a, a cab service that you're supposed to be able to call and they'll drive you somewhere free if it's late at night and you don't feel safe. But my thought process on that is by the time they come to pick you up, you've been standing somewhere for 10 minutes out on the street by yourself. Chances are that it would have been safer for you to just walk home. Um, and then we or also... Or the flip side of it is, you know, and, and this is the one thing, I'm going to interject something here. There's this pressure between how much can accountability can a university or college campus take versus you yourself taking things up. Mm -hmm. You know what? I'm studying late. Someone else has to study late with me. Um, I think young women have always known this, but even young men, I think, need to do the same thing where you're not just going out on your own. Right, right. Um, groups matter. They do matter. They do matter. And I think that um, another thing that we could work towards doing, we, I, I believe that they've, they've given out uh, different programs or, you know, for new incoming students. So they'll give them instructions on what to do in case of an active shooter. But I think that there needs to be more seminars, an actual class that maybe these uh, are uh, people who go to college and new incoming students and even students that have been there can go to to understand what to do. In that, that during that time, um, uh, aside the fact, beside the fact that there may there may be alerts that go out within the campus, because um, you know there's different alarms that may go off to alert people of an active shooter. Uh, I think that there needs to be a class that trains them on uh, self defense. And even though there's classes outside of college, I mean we pay the universities for an education on our schooling. But now there's these these problems are, are coming up. So I think that the school systems uh, worldwide should work on implementing programs that are designed to help students out in, in the time of need. And I think that we're going to, like I said uh, previously, we, we're going to we're going to continue to see these things, these shootings occurring, I think. And I, I don't want to put that in the air, of course, right, but right. I think that uh, this is only the beginning when you begin to allow people to, to have these access to guns. And, and there was one talk, I believe, about uh, professors caring. You know, you can carry on campuses, but I don't believe that they can carry at our campus inside of a classroom. So it's almost as if, okay, you're saying we could carry, you could carry a gun, but how effective is it if you're the professor and the students and are in a room or building and there's the only way is down the, the building. People who are locked up stairs or upstairs, how are they going to be able to get out without, you know, encountering with the active shooter and they don't have any protection there, they don't know how to fight it. They don't know where to go. They don't know all the locations of the campus, especially right. well, a and, big campus like Georgia State. Right. And and one the other part is you're a professor. You're not a trained bodyguard. Right. And, you know, right. one, should they carry if you if you if you can't use a gun and don't know how to use a gun? Exactly. Um, and then 
even if you are, you know, that, and obviously in schools, Parkland, um, all these tragedies have taught us and the advocacy of those students um, have put it more in our minds about, you know, what would you do that you're having to think about it? Um, and then you think what happened at Newtown, you know, and mere babies, basically, you know, being victims of gun violence. So there's all different layers of 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 how much can you expect the faculty and staff to do to protect someone from those and as students to be able to focus. Your thoughts, Christy? I thought he made a good point there. Um, you know, we are not really trained in college about what to do when there is a shooting on campus or there is somebody, you know, stabbing people around campus. You know, there's not a lot of drills that happen during seminars. Um, you know, I and think you feel we, like you would you want those. Yeah, I feel like that would be something good to know what to do if there is a shooting going on in the building, because some of these buildings are like six floors. You know, where do you hide when there's a massive shooting? Like, what are the procedures if there is a shooter coming door to door? You know what I mean? We don't really learn anything like that. What are you going to do on campus, like when you're in your dorm room, if there's like someone that's causing harm to the students? I, I don't really know what to do. I didn't know what to do in that situation. But, um, you know, I had two sisters that were already in college, so I um, knew some things to do. Like, I just think that it's important to be street smart. You know, just know the basic things to, you know, protect yourself when you're by yourself, because you're going to be by yourself a lot. Even if you do have a large group of friends, you know, you have to go to class by yourself sometimes. So you just need to know how to protect yourself in that. But I myself, I did um, decide to live off campus because I missed the application for on-campus living. So some students do have to live on off campus. And I think that's another thing that's important to discuss because I just recently moved out of my last off-campus living. And I just got charged $100 because I like didn't clean to their liking. That's not something I expected. You know what I mean? Like definitely not something I was expecting. I think it's uh, a lot of things that you can tell incoming college students and warn them about, you know, how to avoid things like that. Like if you're going to live off campus, know that you might get charged like for this and you're going to have to try to dispute it. Because I was literally thinking about mediation because of the situation because I was like I cleaned it to my best of my ability you know what I mean I wasn't expecting this right and and the hard part is that here I'll go into lawyer mode a minute it was a hundred dollars that means a lot but by the time well you you couldn't employ a lawyer to handle it because the fees would be higher than what you would get um, when you sign those contracts and if you could really read every single word and we're all guilty of this because we all want something just think about when you download an app and how many things say coming with the app that you know, you, you are accepting legal responsibility and you push the button. Um, and so you've given them a lot of power um, in that landlord tenant situation. And by the time you could to pay for mediation, all those things, well, more than $100, you spend a lot of time and realizing that the 100 is probably gone. But it goes to a larger point, which is, again, this, um, I know that when, here I'm showing my age. When I meet younger people now, I think, oh, my God, y'all are like, I don't think I would have had this sophisticated of a conversation if we've had already when I got out of college or when I was at your point in college. And I think part of it is that you are bombarded by media and know things more and are in tune in some ways that I wasn't possible because it wasn't in my pocket on my phone. Um, but do you find that 
overwhelming as well. Like how much information or how do you think you should be given information, particularly on the legalities of your life, such, you know, because a lease is a legal document that you signed that you're having issues with. The things that go into grown-uphood, because at that point you're 18, um, for the most part. Some people, I started early, but most people are 18 in college. And we're again, we're back at adulthood with almost no legal training. What other areas do you wish perhaps in your freshman year you had gotten a little bit more advice on? Well, going along with the housing that um, Christy mentioned, uh, I think that social media has made me more aware and more connected. I had a friend of a friend in the apartment building that I'm living in next year. He somehow pulled um, a sprinkler out of the ceiling and it burst all of these water pipes, flooded three floors of housing. So these are I, I learned about that through social media, and these are issues I would not have even considered. And now we have to uh, insure ourselves with $100,000 of personal liability insurance. And these are issues just to live in this apartment building. And that's something I've never had even considered before going to college. Or that would need to be paid for. Yes. <laughs> I mean, you know, so again, it, it's almost like it sounds like we get one of the things I go to high schools, you know, is a legal cool toolkit probably needs to be in place by ninth or 10th grade and keeps adding to it. Um, and maybe part of the college experience as well, because one, you're dealing with it, but two, you know, the consequences are financial. You're putting a lot of money and energy into things that you don't have all the information on. Yeah. The same thing happened to me. My room actually flooded. Um, a lot of my shoes got wet and like I couldn't wear them anymore. So, you know, I was very angry about the situation. So I decided to go to the, the head of the campus housing person. Um, I got that set in place. I had a meeting with her. Very intimidating woman. She definitely people in college, like especially the upper people, they try to they know you're young and they know you're like naive. So they try to talk to you like a little kid. Um, so I felt like that in that situation. I was like, oh, my gosh, like she's so intimidating. Um, but I, you know, told her my case. I was like, you know, um, all my stuff is damaged. The room is flooded. And she was like, well, when you sign your leasing contract, because there's a leasing contract when you stay on campus, too. Um, and it says here that um, we don't cover damaged items or something of that nature. And I was like. Well, dang, you know what I mean? Right, right. <laughs> and it busts, busts a budget and budgets are tight and everything else. And so these are, you know, and, and someone listening to this who's older on the podcast may say, well, you're learning what we all have to learn at a certain point that um, there are a lot of rules and there's a lot of things that can happen that we don't anticipate that are um, in the ideal world. Our parents, no matter what our socioeconomic level is, our parents try for the most part to come create a healthy cocoon for you to develop, and then all of a sudden you're thrown out into the world in college. I'm going to shift a little bit to talk about the legal issues on campus that can derail your your experience, and that is conduct that everybody does, but it's illegal, if I can kind of go there. So instance, there's a lot of underage drinking, and that is illegal. There's use of marijuana, 
that is still illegal. There are other drugs that are illegal. Um, you could be driving a car. You know, we know DUIs happen. It happens particularly, I mean, in all age ranges, but certainly you see a lot of it. Once you get to college and people partying and doing various things. And so I'm not looking for admissions of guilt of anything here or incriminating but I think it's fair to say, and I think I talked about this when I came to your class, that if I could talk to each person one-on-one with attorney-client privilege, you're going to have violated more than one law, at least one and probably more criminal law. How do you deal with it? Or you just not, pay, you know, when you have orientation, for the most part, sometimes there is some discussions about the law. But how much do you feel like when you got to college, you were really informed about the laws that were in place at the location where you were, and how you're going to handle if something goes wrong? So for me, I don't remember going through a, a, a course that gave me a detailed list of laws or the effect of what of practices that most individuals or my peers uh, participate in in college, uh, such as what you, you mentioned, the weed, you mentioned uh, drugs or marijuana, you mentioned partying and um, doing things that are legal within that atmosphere. So I, I don't well, remember. Well, feels legal in well, that feel, feels feels legal because everybody's right. doing it, but technically not. Technically not. So, you, so you're, you're saying... It, it feels illegal, but it's not illegal. It's it is it it is illegal. It In other is illegal, words, if but, you're, it, oh, it feel, if but you're, it feels legal because because everybody's, everybody's doing it. So right, like right. you so know, let's. Okay. I, I'm outside the statute of limitations, so I right. could say you know. Uh, marijuana was not really around when I was in college. People drank a lot. I drank a lot probably more than I should have, you know, hindsight, you know, but then when you talk to anybody who's been in sorority or fraternity or not even in that, I mean, first of all, you have all the things there. We can talk about that and keep going there. But just in general, you know, people always have the nostalgic stories, which I was mentioning to you. I had your mom and I were friends and your mom had a car and I did not. And there was a bar near Emory called PJ's and it was a joke BJ's at PJ's because I used to hang out there a lot. And I borrowed your mom's car to go up there. And actually I was sober on my way up. So there's really no excuse for this part. Um, and I parked and there was a it, uh, there was a parking lot and there was a grocery store on the one end of Winn-Dixie. And when I came out of the bar, I could not find your mom's car. And I'm like, oh, my God, it got stolen. And then I looked. And the only reason it had not gone through the front door of the Winn-Dixie was the um, metal shopping cart holders had caught your mom's car because apparently I left it in neutral and it had rolled down the hill and was just about 10 feet shy of going into the Winn-Dixie. And I waited for a while and contemplated what to do and left and called your mom. So those are, I have confessed to illegal conduct <laughs> as a criminal defense lawyer. Um, but, you know, I mean, those are th right. like, that's a crazy thing that happened and it's real. And then the other thing is real is people do, you know, I think Uber and different ride services helps people not drive. But we know that people still drive or are under the influence. There's just so many different things. There. So that's kind of right. where I'm going. Uh, to answer your question, I think that it was more of a self-education uh, thing for me. I, I think that, like I said, I stated, I, as far as me coming to college and getting a, a, a seminar about, okay, you know that these um, these practices do exist here on campus, and this is what can happen if you 
uh, participate in these practices. As I, I gained that earlier before I even got to college. And then once I got in college, it was more of a, okay, I know that this is a practice. Let me research for myself uh, what, what would the consequences be of me uh, engaging in these activities. And I think that the media, um, like you said, can be bomb- we can be bombarded at times. But I think that one of the benefits of media is that s- since you understand that these uh, these practices do exist, you can go for yourself, um, and that's what which is what I've had to do, and I, uh, I'm sure many of my peers have had to do the same. Go for yourself and understand that okay, these are this is the sentence that you can get for uh, carrying more than an ounce of. Marijuana, which or, is a felony, in right? Georgia. It's a felony charge, which is very hard to get expunged or even to get off your record. And 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 now we're seeing people who are being allowed to vote just recently with um, felony charges, which for a long time wasn't a thing. So, me personally, I think that it's more of a self education, um, you know, aspect that you have to you have to go for yourself. You have to want to understand the laws for yourself because in college, they're not going to give you a, a detailed list or a description of what can happen to you if you engage in those practices. But Christy, from listening to you earlier, I think you may be, or my opinion, you may need to have heard that early on, what the laws are. Yeah, because a lot of students on campus, you'd be surprised they don't know about the laws, especially with marijuana, because a lot of people smoke on campus. A lot of people underage drink and drive. A lot of people do not know the laws, do not know the repercussions of what can happen. Like, I know a story of a kid who was on on campus and he used to um, sell marijuana. Um, he didn't know the velocity of how bad that could be for him if he was caught. And he ended up getting caught and he ended up going to prison for like five, 10 years, college career over, can't go back to school. Nobody's going to let you, you know, reapply to colleges because nobody's going to accept you. And now you can't really get jobs because it's hard to get a job when you're a convicted felon. Um, so I just think that a lot of kids when they go to college are like, oh, I want to party, I want to do this, I want to have fun. But I think you should definitely focus on your studies and put your studies first because that's the most important thing, you know, is to get out of there and graduate and, you know, get a good job and focus on your future pretty much. And and even, and you tell the worst stories, which is obviously what who ends up in my office as a criminal defense lawyer, but even before that, that sometimes there can just be campus disciplinary proceedings such that um, it's, you know, you're paying, you at UVA, I know are paying a lot of money unless you're on full scholarship and you are mazel tov. But if not, you're paying, a lo- your parents are paying a lot of money or you are incurring a lot of debt. And then you are going to, you know, y- you get kicked out of school. And I know at UVA, it's uh, pretty extreme because we have our own honor code. And with the honor code at Virginia, if you're found to have if you lie, cheat, or steal, you're put into in front of a board of your peers. And if it's deemed that you committed an offense, you're expelled. Or at minimum, you have to take a year off. And, and that can be another podcast, but I'll touch on it briefly, is this whole peer thing of deciding your whole life is also another, I, you know, I had mixed feelings about it. I get why they were instituted, that your peers are saying that you could be expelled or not expelled. I know that... Um, I was chief justice of the honor court at the University of Georgia. And even in law school, I remember, I think we had the first expulsion under when I was, um, I served on the honor court and then became chief justice. And uh, we we expelled a law student. And I, I think it was a clear cut case. But 
you know, I'm sitting here thinking I'm a lawyer, you know, but I'm still 20 one years old or whatever at that point, you know, deciding that this person's full academic career is over or everything they work toward, they're not going to get. So, you know, that's another component of on the one hand, you have young people who um, are deciding it, but on another, you know, the consequences even of being kicked out and losing the future and, you know, whether there's remedial steps that could be, take place, you know, because that's part of what's happening in the criminal justice system, which is, is there realizing that on a lot of drug cases that you have these alternative courts so that even though you're arrested, if you go through a certain path, you're not convicted of a crime and you get some treatment and you get some learning and you didn't lose it all. But I'm not sure schools are there yet or universities are doing that. If, if even from what you're describing, when you have it's a student code uh, on that, it, it's just something to think about in terms of as a student, it's a reality now. And then thinking ahead, you know, is there a better way to do this? And in my case, I think it also feels a little bit hypocritical because there's no chance that all the people that serve on the, the university judiciary committee have never, you know, slipped up themselves. And I feel like it's hard to judge someone else when you're obviously biased as a student. So just in my opinion. Yeah, no. And that's a great point. That is a great point. So let me, the other thing is this, and this is one thing I was thinking about a little bit, and I know that the answer is for me, but I'll ask for y'all. Let's say, Chris, God forbid you were falsely accused next week and you were arrested. Who are you going to call? And don't say me because you just met me today. But before today, do you know about how to get an attorney? Do you know what to do? Yes, I actually interned with an attorney now. There you go. So, okay, so you um, have a heads up. But, right. do you th- but if I wasn't, if I, if I wasn't, if I didn't, if I wasn't interning with an attorney uh, and I wasn't self-educating myself through Google or through the internet on how to uh, get in contact with a great lawyer, and if I didn't have the funds, the adequate or sufficient funds to be able to do so, uh, I would be uh, just like my other brothers and sisters who, who have not had that opportunity and who get caught up in the system. And f- as for me, it's, I mean, not to bring race into it. No, and, but, and I don't but, want but, to bring but, that into it, but, it, you no, know, but for why? me. why? It's real. Right, it's I, real, I, I'm right, be, <laughs> right. There's it's, no, it's very no doubt real. about it. Race so, is real. So for me, a charge like that, would, would they would probably, my sentence would be a lot lengthier, length, more lengthy than another individual of that's not of my complexion. So, uh, but if and so, those are the two things that would happen if I didn't, if I wasn't educated or informed or misinformed, and if I didn't, if I wasn't connected with an attorney and knew where to go when if if a, a, a situation like that did occur. Um, and I think that just in general, like like this goes with the whole education of being informed on what to do when you when you go through a problem like, you know, having marijuana, because now even that we're seeing this new um, stock market or the marijuana, they're trying to capitalize off of marijuana now, you know, but there are a lot of people that are incarcerated because they had a, a small amount of marijuana and the, and the book was thrown at them. You know, I want to speak Ebonics, but, you know, the sentence were the sentences were thrown at them because at the time it was seen, it, it was, it was deemed that, okay, this money you're making, you're not, it's not honest. But now they've turned around. It's more hypocritical on their part because they've turned around and these same individuals that are locked up who if they would have been doing what they were doing now, 
then they wouldn't be locked up. But they're they're trying to capitalize and make money off of marijuana, and so I think that that yeah, that yeah, whole are you talking about the CBD, CBD right, the, right, right, CBD you know, because, being right. legalized and different things with it. Right, I think that it's, and I, I think that certain individuals who have just been apprehended, uh, I, I don't believe that it was that hard for them to uh, incarcerate them in the past. I think that it was more so, and uh, and and a project to go ahead and, and capitalize and monetize off of it from the whole, from, you know, since Tom, since before Tom. I think that since, that, that, you know, recently, for example, uh, not with El Chapo being, you know, just recently convicted and recently said. The, the, the right, notorious Mexican the, exactly. drug dealer who has had a lengthy trial and I mean, has been wanted yes. for a very long time. Right. Just giving a little background. Now, keep rolling. I didn't want to interrupt. I don't want to cut you off. No, um, no, no. You're but good. I think, this is just like in court, back and forth. I love it. Right. I think that they, at a time, he was, he's been, this is something that he's been doing. You know, and I think that maybe it, it was a mixture of both drugs, right? But the, the, the point I'm trying to make is that if this drug was so, if they were trying to stop the drug, they, they would have stopped it a long time ago. You're just now locking him up. And it's after a point that you've gotten all the money that you need to get out of him. So now you're just going to go and put him away. But uh, the the fact that they're bringing in this, this new market and not uh, giving people who were involved in it the same fair treatment is just a representation of what the legal system has come to. Because and, and it's and it's really the economics, it's the cross connection between the economics and the legal system. But I think that the the economics determines what happens in the legal system. And so if that's the case, then, uh, you know, it, it's 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 different. It just depends on, you know, uh, who you are at the time, what your skin complexion is um, and what your social status is, because those three things in, in our society are, you know, placed over fair and e equality. They're placed over a, a system that is just, and that's why we have an unjust system because yeah, it's more so about that than any than you know doing somebody right. That was something that I wanted to work with, um, and why I want to work deal with wrongful convictions because, you know, back in the day, was it like the '80s that they would charge people um, for cocaine, powder cocaine versus you know the other cocaine, but if you had um, that cocaine, you would get charged more. Right. The the, crack, the differentiation. So the differentiation is particularly in the federal system on fed, federal guidelines mm -hmm. as to how they would sentence folks um, and sentencing. You're, you're on just another big point of, you know, we had all these years of mandatory minimum sentencing where certain crimes where you, they would set a minimum um, across the board thinking that was fair and then. Now, as years go by and we have all these people who are in prison for a very long time without any room, you know, maybe they did make a mistake. Maybe they needed to be locked up. But did they need to be locked up 10 years, 20 years, 30 years? Or did they just need two and it click in that, you know what, I'm on the wrong path. I got to change what I'm doing. Um, and if I could get some education or rehabilitation or counseling or mental health issues, I mean, every single thing in our society that explodes we wouldn't necessarily be spending as much as we do and have people incarcerated for as long as they do is kind of what. Yeah, I think that goes back to, you know, people in lower class, play, um, you know, cities, they have to get money 
some way and they think that that is the fastest way and the best way to make money, especially back in the day. So it just turns into a repeat thing where it goes on generations to generations. And I think that's happening now where so many people that came from the the lower class and the, oh, I have to drug deal to get here and then I'm getting arrested and I can't go to college. I think that that is a reason why, like, there's so many people that are not even able to get into college. Cutting well, off the right. education exactly. for the people who may need it the most. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, everybody needs education. Everybody needs everybody to be needs able education. to have the opportunity to be who they are. And when I say education, I want to be broad because obviously college education is important. But technical school education, even the high school education, there are pl- there are. Um, so many things that are needed and each person has a different calling. And although we live in a society that um, emphasizes a college education, there are lots of ways to, quote, be educated and be some of the finest people that, you know, and the people who um, are the ones that you rely on or are those who serve in the military. Um, you get an education there, um, things where you are constructive and, and help folks. But Again, it's we've perhaps created, perhaps we have sometimes, at least in my opinion, we're creating a system where judgments are made in advance because we're in fear. We are in fear. And as I wrap things up, obviously, we've just gone through a lot of shootings. We've gone through a lot of things that are bringing out great, great fear. Um, and I think that one of the ways of dealing with fear is what one, listening to you all gives me um, that here you are, you are so, you know, at your age already identifying so clearly the right and wrongs that were accepted for a long time and we just kind of were passive about. And and I see in your generation a group that is not passive. Um, but in of the three of y'all, you're all wanting to channel it towards law. And... Um, that I am grateful for and gives me hope. And we're going to continue the conversation on another podcast because this crew is amazing. Um, but I just want to appreciate your candor um, and your participation. And as with every Law Talk with BJ, we have a cup of tea. And I try to pick a tea that is appropriate for my guests. And this is an elderberry tea. And I picked it for two reasons. Um, the spiritual property of elderberry in many cultures is that it is a protection tea. It is a tea that protects. And I know that with my young clients and folks like you and why I go to schools and talk is I do want to protect you. I want to protect you from the wrongs. I want you to be the best that you can be. And that's part of this tea. And then as a slight homage um, to Audrey, because she is going to Albania and going on a um, a really amazing um, um, trip and learning about that country and the government issues and things there. Um, elderberry is um, from Albania, the actual elderberry. So to Albania and all of y'all, thank you for joining me. And we'll all click our mugs. And thank you for joining us on Law Talk on BJ. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Thanks. This podcast is not to be construed as legal advice. With any legal issue, you should reach out to a professional attorney that practices law in the state and area of law for which you need information or consultation. Law Talk with BJ does not establish an attorney-client relationship, which is only formed when you have hired an attorney and signed an engagement agreement or contract.
It's Law Talk with BJ Music Theme, written and produced by Atlanta Audible. This podcast copyright 2018, BJ Bernstein Esquire.